Well, good morning to everyone. Um, yeah, as we as we jump into uh, Ephesians six this morning, uh, Eric's sermon last week just was awesome and hit me in a lot of great ways. Um, and one thing I kept going, I was, I was just been thinking all week, uh, especially when Eric said that the one. Uh, offensive award that's missing in the part that he covered was the sword, uh, the word of God. And I thought, man, like, so to go out into the world that is this present darkness and this present, present evil age against the powers and authorities and everything that's going on, um, I just had this picture in my head of this soldier who goes into this battle and he leaves his sword, and there's like just war going on all around him. Imagine like, you know, medieval battles that you've seen in movies, and he just gets hit in the head. His helmet falls off. He puts it back on. It's all dented. He gets hit in the chest with a club. Somebody comes after him with a sword. Like totally defenseless in this war, and I kind of picture him coming out of that like just this beat-up soldier that's just been pummeled in the battle because he had no offensive weapon. And if, you, if you've seen like Iron Man against uh, Thanos, like when Iron Man just gets destroyed and you're like, he, that, that's us going into this battle that Eric so well described last week, going into this spiritual warfare, this battle that's going on without an offensive weapon, uh, is just crazy. It just seems ludicrous, right? Well, there's one other offensive weapon um, that's mentioned here. And Paul spends more time on this aspect than any, other, any of the other aspects of the armor that he describes. And it's prayer. And so I realized, uh, as I was reading something uh, by Paul Miller on a praying church, and he talks about this, that I realized that actually my, I was in error thinking about one individual soldier going into battle alone against the enemy, getting pummeled and beaten without his offensive weapon. Because actually this whole text from the armor on is plural. And he's talking about us. He's talking about the church uh, together. All right, a, a Roman battalion uh, would... would get ready for battle, going into battle, they would, uh, when stuff was flying at them, they would all come together and lock shields together and create an impenetrable force. Uh, and so picture that in your mind, that uh, in a, especially in our Western individualistic uh, structure of life uh, in everything we do, right? The church is the one place uh, where we're not alone. Uh, so we're not in this battle this armor is for the church. So I want to just re read, uh, just for context, what Eric preached last week and then hit on our text for this week. Um, but hitting on it and uh, adding just a few um, of what uh, the plurals uh, restored to Ephesians 6 in this passage. So uh, you can, uh, can kind of see those as we go along. So let, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. See if you can pick up on the, uh, the plurals here. Finally, 
uh, we can put this in southern. All of y'all, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Together, put on the whole armor of God. That all of you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, all of you take up the armor of God, that together you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and together, having done all, to stand firm. All of you stand, therefore, together, having fastened on the belt of truth, and together, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for all your feet, having together put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up together the shield of faith, with which all of you can together extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And together take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying together at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, let the entire church keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, let the entire church keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning uh, that the thoughts of our hearts, the meditations of our hearts and minds would be pleasing to you and acceptable in your sight. Uh, Lord, strengthen us as the body of Christ together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So when you think about all the alls here, in, our, in, our, in particular in verses 18 through 20, it's kind of where I want to focus this morning uh, in this warfare that's going on. At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. Those are the four things we're going to run through this morning very quickly because I want to get, uh, so sorry if I go fast this morning, but I really want to get to uh, some time in prayer together. So this context of this warfare that's going on, the evil and the evil one who is on the prowl, uh, it's constant. It's this barrage of the attacks of the enemy. All right, it's this, you, you can imagine this warfare that's going on and and. And Paul is saying, in the midst of that warfare, the one thing I want you to do as the body of Christ is pray together. That prayer is like this undergirding giant that's sleeping. And its power uh, can thwart the enemy's plans. And if you're like me, most of the time, like all of us in this room, uh, struggle in prayer. Uh, we struggle with it in, in various ways, in various forms. Um, but you think about prayer. Prayer is like, it, we think about a battle scene and now like transfer your mind to like current warfare instead of Roman army warfare. Current warfare, what's the greatest tool uh, in current warfare? Why is Ukraine able to hold off 
this massive superpower of Russia? Do what? Their will. Okay. I'm not. I'm looking looking that deep, but thank you. That that is a good point. They're the home team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have help. Yeah, and specifically, lots of that help has come in the form of drone technology. Right? And their, their communication is key to them holding back their enemy. Well, I submit to you that prayer is like drone technology. It takes intricate communication to put drones in place to make specific strikes on specific targets for specific reasons, which is exactly what prayer is. Prayer is communicating with our God for specific things, specific targets in our lives and in our world for specific purposes for his will to be done. So we have this, we have the most powerful why would Paul spend this much time and goes through the whole armor of God? And right as good Reformed Presbyterians were like, man, like he even gives more credence to prayer than the word. Like, oh, it's a little uncomfortable, um, right? But think about that. Think about, look how much time he spends on prayer. Why is he doing that? Because Paul believes that it is the power center. It's the power train of the church. It's the very thing that the spirit of Jesus brought into the church to move the church to power because we're engaged with the very spirit of Jesus in prayer. And the spirit of Jesus comes and does war on our behalf when we pray. So we're tapping into this, uh, almost like this, the nuclear core of the church, the spirit of Jesus when we pray. And he comes and he's active and he's working, right? Because these attacks are these attacks are difficult, right? There's attacks without, there's attacks come uh, from outside of us that hit us in different ways, right? We're innocent, innocently searching the internet and an attack comes. We're financial implication of things breaking, right? That come that we don't expect. They're always in threes at our house. I don't know about you guys. Always come in threes. All right, aging parents. Like all these different like things on the outside. Sometimes it just feels like Alexander's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? Just things that come at us all the time from the outside. There's also attacks from, from friendly fire. All right, accusations, misunderstanding, judgments. Friendship, relationships, perceptions, assumptions, character attacks, motive, character, motive questions, gossip, slander, comparison, onslaught. Like, it just goes on and on. And then the, the, like all of that is, seems to be this kind of external world. But then all of us know we have this internal stuff going on as well. And those are, you know, the thirsting for recognition, possessions, acceptance, lust, pride, envy, Right? We're dealing with so much. And Paul is saying, at all times, pray in the Spirit. At all times, in the Spirit. What does he, what's he mean by that? Um, what does he mean by pray at all times in the Spirit? What does that look like? 
Is there someone that we can watch that does life that way? Thank you for laughing. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, isn't it strange? I mean, really think about it. Like, isn't it strange in our theological kind of upbringing? Why does Jesus pray? I mean, it just seems odd. I think he's the divine God in the flesh. Like, what does he need prayer for? But yet, most people would answer that, well, he's modeling for us. And I would agree, yes, he is modeling for us in lots of different things. But it's just, he's praying because prayer is oxygen to Jesus. He doesn't do life without it. And he's not just doing that to show us that we can't do life without it. He can't do life without it. He loves spending time with his father. So he prays. So I, I just want to show you this slide. This is, um, this is just a, a quick smattering. I know it sideways. It's not really meant for you to turn your head or stand on your head and read. But it's just a smattering of places uh, in Jesus' life where he spends time in prayer. 40 days in the wilderness, his baptism before he goes into Galilee, after healing, choosing the 12 with Jewish leaders, feeding the 5,000, healing his miracles, his transfiguration, when the 70 went out, the Lord's Prayer, at the tomb of Lazarus, blessing children, asking uh, for Peter at the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, for all the disciples and us, while he's being nailed to the cross, while he's dying on the cross, in his final breath is a prayer, after his resurrection and at his ascension. His entire life is covered in prayer. Do you think Jesus knew something about the power of the resource that was availed to him by his father that he could communicate with his father constantly? Jesus was at all times in the spirit in prayer. Like, it's so cool because... Paul actually calls Jesus, uh, the, he calls uh, Jesus, the, or the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in Corinthians. He calls him the Spirit, he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. And why does he do that? Because he knows that the person of Jesus brought us the Spirit of Jesus in the book of Acts, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the very Spirit of Jesus, which is the conduit to the Father. So we've got this power train in us that gives us direct access to the Father. The power is not prayer necessarily. The power is who prayer is connected to. The power is that we're connected to the very Spirit of Jesus who communicates with the Father on our behalf during prayer. So there's this massive like nuclear core at the center of it. Right? So there's, prayer is the oxygen of Jesus. So what about with all prayer and supplication? Uh, I, want you to, I want you to note all these places where Jesus, I love the context of this, uh, because Jesus is, is showing, uh, he's, Jesus has just had the Last Supper uh, with his disciples, and he's less than 24 hours, he's going to be hanging on a cross dead. And this is something that he says, this is what he says to his disciples. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go ahead, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will be, do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. James 4, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but do not connect, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask. God, when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, What's one of the final things that Jesus says to his disciples? What is he encouraging them, exhorting them to do? Ask. Ask. Just, it's like, uh, right, when your kids are little and they're coming up and they're pulling on you, like, daddy, 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 daddy. And you're like, oh my goodness, daddy, daddy, daddy. It just keeps going, right? And we grow weary of that. Your father never grows weary of your asking. Jesus says, just keep asking. Just keep asking. We'll talk, talk a minute about the perseverance of that. How do we know this kind of road to good asking? Well, I want to show you a picture. That's our dog, Ginger. Um, and this is just an example for you. Um, because Rebecca and I had years ago, had just sworn we were not going to get a dog. Like, we were like, I don't know what the infatuation is around the world with dogs in Chattanooga. Like, you take them on airplanes now and restaurants. It's just nutty. Right? I was like, we're not doing a dog. We got four kids. That's enough. We don't want another one. Right? So we had refused to get a dog. And so uh, Mary Catherine and Laura... Uh, in particular, just every, all the time. Can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? And we were like, no, we're not getting, we're standing our ground. So then <laughs> we started doing prayer cards. And so Laura writes down on her prayer card, didn't tell us, we just saw it, or in her prayer journal um, for a puppy. Now it's like, oh man. So we ended up getting a puppy. Uh, but it's just this asking, right? It's that perpetual asking that the Father just loves. He just loves for us to come and ask. Right? This, this whole idea of asking, this is in A Praying Life from Paul Miller, just a helpful chart. Right? Because sometimes we think, we read all those verses in John, we're like, oh, I can ask for a new truck, or I can ask for... Uh, a new, whatever the newest video game stuff is, right? I can ask for, for good grades. I can ask for, right? We think God is kind of this wish list. So we've kind of fallen off the trail of good asking, and we see God as this one who we just, we're just continually asking for stuff like he's this genie in a bottle, 
that we can just ask and receive, right? And that, and that you know, I love that the antidote to that is to surrender completely, um, right? The, the, the antidote to that is, is, is Jesus saying, uh, may your will be done, but not mine, right? And then the other side of that cliff is, is not asking at all. It's just being uh, separated from God, thinking, um, you know, it, it, prayer hasn't worked. I've been praying for years. He's not answering. And so I give up. I'm not going to ask anymore. That's not good either. So the, the pathway to good asking is that it's this conduit between me and the Lord because of Jesus that I can ask for everything, right? And I can ask boldly. Like Jesus asks in the garden, Lord, take this cup from me. And yet, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. So there's this, uh, there's this pathway uh, to really good asking that we should reflect on. So I want to I sit on this. That the next point of this is Paul says in this passage to pray with all perseverance. Pray with all perseverance. And it's kind of that space, if you will. Like sometimes we get in this, and just draw this up here. We get in this, uh, this area of, of prayer and we pray for something and we tend to, we tend to get stuck kind of in the middle here. And, and we call that desert prayer. We're just going, man, like here's the reality of what's going on in my life. And this particular prayer, this particular struggle, struggle or trouble in my life, this is what I'm longing for to happen. Uh, or this is the reality of what's happening. And here's my hope. Here's what my prayer is. And then what happens? There's this long pause from the Lord. And he just doesn't seem to answer it. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's years that you've been praying for something. And you just wonder, man, what? Like, is God even alive? Does he even hear me? I mean, I remember Rebecca and I, I've struggled with prayer my whole life, like still do. And part of that is because of what happened in our, our story uh, with our daughter Emily. I've never prayed harder in my life for the Lord to save her life. And we had thousands of people around the world praying that God would intercede and save her life. And he chose not to. And you're like, man, like how does prayer work? Does, like, does it really just hit these tile ceilings and fall to the floor? That's what it feels like a lot of time, right? Let's just be really raw and honest. Like prayer is really, really difficult to understand. It's really hard. So what does it look like in the midst of the desert? Well, I think what happened with Emily is that Rebecca and I learned a whole lot about ourselves. We learned a whole lot about Christ's church. It's why we fell in love with his church. It's why I went into ministry it's why all four of my children are all now believers because they've had this eternal perspective from the day they were born. They've heard about her. So man, like the way he used the desert to transform me is pretty powerful. The transforming is the hard part, right? It's the waiting in the desert that is the hard part. Um, and Paul says, keep alert. 
right? I, lo- I love the fact that he sa- tells us to keep alert, kind of in that, in that whole line of thought of persevering in prayer. Why does he say persevere in prayer? Because it's hard. It's hard to stay in the story. God is weaving together a story that is really beautiful, but it's hard to stay in it a lot of times. I love the fact that he says keep alert, right? Because a common struggle in prayer is distraction, ADD, your mind's going everywhere, you're falling asleep. Uh, I mean, the disciples struggled to stay awake in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So there's this this idea, right? I just blank out, I get distracted, my mind's racing all over the place during prayer. I'm trying to sit down and have this quiet moments with the Lord. I'm just, my mind just blanks out. I repeat words, right? I'm just, I'm telling y'all all all my prayer life, this is what goes on in my prayer life. Um, All these common struggles to pray and to, to keep alert while I'm praying. I love Mark 1 when Jesus has done all these miracles. He has this tremendously busy day and he gets up Early in the morning, you can imagine Peter in the room just kind of rubbing his eyes going, who in the world is getting up before, before the sun is up? We've been, there's people been at the door all night. Jesus, you've been healing. And he wakes up and looks over and it's like Jesus getting up and he goes to spend time with his father. He just knew that prayer was his oxygen. He couldn't do life without it. Yeah, and I think... It, Eric mentioned something last week that was really helpful, the kind of that, the idea that one of the greatest tools of the evil one is distraction or numbing us out. And I think that's, um, you know, that's the opposite of keeping alert is when we get numbed out. It's a, one of the evil one's greatest weapons right now is distraction, desensitizing us. He's quietly, craftily, to lulled the sleep into a prayerless the church into a prayerlessness state. So staying alert is essential. Staying alert. Imagine a battle going on and you're falling asleep. I'm not doing this like to heap shame and condemnation. It's just a struggle. I'm just saying that part of the real exhortation of this is like man. Keep alert. Like, what do you need to do to keep yourself alert in the battle, in the perspective? So the the last thing I want to mention is that uh, for all the saints. Uh, I love this this idea that Paul says uh, that we pray all the time, at all times, prayers and supplications, um, with all perseverance for all the saints. Right, this, so it's this asking, it's this persevering in the asking, and it's for the saints. I want to I read a passage to you in Revelation 5. This is uh, just an awesome passage, so you can follow along up here. Um, I'm going to read through the first part of it, and then uh, slow as we get to this, the part I want to drill in on. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one on heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the line of tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered 
so, it, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though, he had, as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes and with the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of the many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, wow. Do you know, what, do you know what's Im- immensely humbling and powerful about all this? Is that description that John has given of the very throne room of heaven. Right sandwiched right in the middle of that is a bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now I want you to hear me say, you might be thinking, my prayers aren't there. He means John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Luther, Jimmy Davis. Jimmy's going to love that. I put him in there with those guys. How you think? I mean, it, it's like people that are holier than me. It's the theologians of the age, the saints. But all through the book of Ephesians, the church are the, the saints. We are the saints. Your prayers are in the throne room of heaven. As meager and as repetitive and as distracting as they are, as kind of seems like they don't go anywhere, they're in the throne room of heaven. And here's what's cool about this, is what is the incense used for? It doesn't really have a, I don't think it has a medicinal purpose, right? It's just for smell. So you get this sense in which God is in the throne room of heaven. Your prayers are the incense to God. And he's just doing this. He just loves to hear your prayers. He's breathing in the aroma. Your prayers, as meager and as hard as they are, they're a pleasing aroma in the throne room of heaven. Because the lamb stands there who's slain before the foundation of the world. Your prayers. I want to show you one more really powerful thing. I asked Mary Catherine if I could use this. Mary Catherine did this about three years ago. Three years. Tyler, how long have you been at college? 
four, three, okay, three years ago. Tyler was going off to college, first one to go off to college. It's a horrible experience. Everyone's <laughs> weeping and crying, and I'm just kidding. It's great. Um, but as Tyler, you know, this was Mary Catherine's prayer card. I'm, I'm not at Mary Catherine is a much better handwriter now, right? She's now 10 years old. But I want you to just, just, you're not picking on Mary Catherine, but what is everything wrong that you see with this card? Come on, you can be honest. You won't hurt Mary Catherine's feelings. Just mine. Somebody tell me. You know, go ahead and point them out. It's messy. Yes. Very messy. Not, not staying on the line. It's like... Right? Okay. What else? Yeah. I said, Mary Catherine, what do you want me to write at the... I read that at the top. And then she said, it's my prayer request to Tyler. Yeah. All right. So I wrote it down. What else? Okay. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's very singularly focused. Help with college, help with work at college, help with getting up for college. Tyler has a problem trend going on here. Help with not being late to college. And then, I love the last one. Help with not being sad and missing us at college. I mean, there's misspelled words, crooked lines, messy, repetitive. But you know what God's doing in heaven as he hears this prayer of a seven-year-old at the time? He's just going, oh, I'd love to hear that. Simple. The prayerlessness of the church has created a fog in the war. Because I think we've just overcomplicated it. It's just very simple. It's one of the beautiful points of Jesus just loving us, calling us to be like children. So pray, keep alert. Pray for all the saints. I love the way Paul ends this because it's very much like Mary Catherine's prayer. What does he say at the end? He says, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What's, pray, what's Paul praying? Asking the saints to pray for. For his ability to communicate the gospel. Because maybe he had trouble speaking it clearly or he just wanted to have the Spirit help him. He's being very specific. So there's this, we can pray grand prayers 
for big things and we can pray for parking spaces would open up. Right? We can pray for children who are prodigals and we can pray for our house uh, washer and dryer not to fall apart or my lawnmower not to explode like it did this week. Right? So, I mean, there's just all these things that God says, Jesus says, just ask. Come to me with everything. So Lane has, uh, here's what I want to do just in a few minutes together. It is There's, uh, he's going to give a prayer card. We might have enough for two for everybody. Sorry if you're watching at home. We're sending you virtual prayer cards. You can get an index card out or piece of paper. Yeah, you could probably do two, two per person. If we run out, we'll spread them out more. All right, and when you get this card, I just want you to, I want you to, um, if you don't have a pen, that's okay. You can just be thinking of something. But I'd love for you to write down uh, the most predominant thought on your mind all the time. And I love what Eric said earlier, we can pray about prayer. I remember struggling with prayer and going to Paul Miller. I'm like, man, I, can, I don't get this whole card system. And this is like 1980s re, revisited. And uh, I told him about my struggle with prayer. And he said, well, do you have a prayer card on prayer? I was like, well, no, I never thought about that. Uh, so I, have a, I actually have a card about prayer. Like, help me to pray more clearly. Help me to be more diligent at it. Help me to keep alert in it. All those kind of things. So I want you to write down the one thing that's on your mind the majority of the time in your life, day after day, whatever it might be. Okay, and then the other thing is, I want you to ask the other card. I want you to ask, ask the Lord of something very, very specific. Get as specific as you can. It may be related to the other card. All right, so... Big prayers, little prayers. Yeah, you can put, um, yeah, yeah, maybe it's uh, finances or, yeah, or maybe it's um, you put someone's name at the top or you put business or um, automobile or college or study or um I want, I want to keep alert. Maybe that's your prayer card. I want to see people. So you just put C at the top of your prayer card. And then just get specific with those things. And, and then what you, the cool thing about a prayer card is that you can track them. Our minds just can't keep up with all the things. So you can track them over time. And you can see progress. And you can see the way... Actually, the way the Lord, like in the, if we go back and look at this desert prayer, 
how the Lord actually starts transforming your prayer that something you started on your prayer card might end up a different prayer by the time you get to the end of it. Maybe years later, you were praying for someone and the prayer for someone ends up you're transformed and you're actually praying something different for them now because it was actually, it wasn't them that needed the prayer to change, it was you that needed the change, so your prayer changes to something else. Does that make sense? That's oftentimes what God does in the desert. He's building faith in the space. All right, so um, last thing I want to do is just ask you, um, I'm not going to make this uncomfortable, so or try not to, but I want us to spend a few minutes praying together as the body of Christ. And the way that I want us to do that is for you to just gather with your family. And maybe one of you pray, maybe you, I don't want, here's, what, here's the rule, okay? I want us just to go straight to prayer. No, like sharing, like most of the time that's how prayer meetings go, right? We share for 45 minutes and we pray for 10. I want you to just go straight to prayer and let your prayers be the announcement of what you're praying for. Does that make sense? So I just want you to gather with your family if y'all need to figure out if you can, you want to leave and go over there and then uh, Eric you can use your own judgment and come up you guys can come up and start uh, music after a few minutes okay so uh, Lord be with us as we pray together and just think through um, praying at all times with all supplications and all perseverance keeping alert as we pray for all the saints Uh, so help us now Uh, in these next few minutes as we do this. In Jesus' name. All right, so you can move if you need to. Feel free to gather with your family.